This is The After Party, live with Kim McAllister and John Daly. That's right. It's The After Party. Yes, it is. I've been messing with this blanket all day long because it's chilly in my house. Although it's supposed to be a little warmer today. It doesn't feel like it's warmer in this office. Oh, it doesn't? Mm-mm, no. I have How nice are you? I have nice building heat where it's it's steam based, but it doesn't make the like wor- the whooshing and the whirring and all the banging oh. noises. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always a constant temperature. I'm still I'm I'm um, in a fight against PG and E trying to pay them as little as possible. So yeah. I I put my sweater on and I have my blanket and it's all an effort to screw PG and E. How about that? Well, you think you can screw them? But they <laughs> are masters of screwing. Um, you know, my they father used to work for PG and E back in the seventies yeah. um, before he worked for Caltrans yeah. as an electrician, and um, he had a lot of stock. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, after my father passed, I didn't sell it. Yeah. It lost a lot of value. Oh, I'm sorry. And I don't know. I'm. Uh, we're not going to sell it because it's mm-hmm. my mom. You know, my mom's retirement. But um, it, it 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 might take a while to get to get back. Mm-hmm. And if we do lose it, I'm. I mean, I think we're okay with it because of what PG&E is. Like, we don't want to profit off of. You know. Well, it PG&E seems does. like they keep paying their shareholders. I would think having stock in PG&E would be lucrative. Well, if you look into it, as I have, um, who got involved. Um, you know, during this finagling was uh, these like hedge funds. Mm-hmm. And so the stock holders are actually kind of at the, they're not the bottom of the totem pole, but there are these private finance people that of course, Wall Street people that are in, uh, I forget all the details, but they're, they're benefiting the most off of this, of course, right? As they rush always. in to take advantage of a financial situation. Um, no. Yeah. So happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. How about let's lift this party up. Uh, let's start with... A snake that apparently came out of somebody's roof. Oh, uh, not a snake on a plane. Not a snake on a plane. Oh. No, 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 is what I have to say about this. So here's this guy who's doing a podcast, as yeah, we are like right a, now. Like a, yeah, right? like a Zoom call type podcast. Yeah, he's not a podcast. He's interrupted, though, when a very large snake emerges from the roof behind his back. I think that qualifies <laughs> and people, as large. People on the video are like, um, look behind you, because I don't know what kind of snake that is, but you might want to get off your porch. I don't know. Think about that. His name is Andrew Ward of Region Farmers Mutual. He was being interviewed by the hosts of a podcast called Fresh Perspectives, which is produced by a Sydney-based consultant firm, when this snake emerged from the roof of the pavilion behind him. There's a snake behind you, say the podcast hosts. (laughs) They were talking about greenwashing. Ward pauses. He takes a look at the snake but he remains very calm. He says, yeah. oh, it's only a carpet python. He's the rodent control control officer. Carpet oh, pythons are non-venomous snakes that are often kept as pets. What's funny to me is that he knew exactly what it was, right? right. He's like, oh, it's don't worry about it. He's yeah, just a python. He's, a he's just hanging out eating the rats. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I could uh, acclimate to that. I don't. I'm telling you right now, I could not. I'm probably a really bad mom because Stay away from Australia, then. my kids have asked for lizards or snakes oh, as pets. No. And I've said, you know what? I draw the line. I, there are a lot of things I could have in my house. So we've had uh, um, hamsters, right? Yeah. We've had goldfish. We have a dog, but I'm not bringing it. I, I can't do the lizards and the snakes. I think you have enough. 
I you know draw what? I my, never get I tired of. I never acclimate Deborah. to. Thank you, John and Generosity. Kim, for the great show bringing us every day. Honestly, yes. we're so grateful and we need it. So thank you, Deborah B., for contributing yes. to the Every show. Every contribution mm-hmm. goes a long way to making ends meet. To, yes. It takes a lot, a lot of day. This is like my whole day now. Deborah right? has made our Christmas. Thank you, Deborah. We appreciate that. You'll and find know, if this is my If this is my whole day, imagine how much of Kim's day it is. She's got like yeah. kids and stuff. And I'm like, what? Yeah. And you got it's like, how do you do it shows. All? How do you do it all, mom? It's a rough one. It's uh but you know, I'm you know what I'm really happy about is that I don't have to drive into San Francisco. Yeah. So maybe I'm working later into the evening to fit it all in and make everything yeah. happen and drive everyone where they need to be driven and do all the stuff. But I'm I'm still very happy that I get to do this. So we so. added this extra hour part mm-hmm. of it was, you know, to help Kim mm-hmm. um kind of create uh, a full amount of employment, you know, so that mm-hmm. she can uh, stay at home and take care of her kids. So Full-time this job. is 100% crowdfunded um without it we go away so we appreciate every single contribution i know it sounds repetitive when we just say thank you but it really means a lot definitely Uh, without that we wouldn't be Mm -hmm. able to bring you reindeer stories reindeer are you ready for a reindeer bring me the holiday stories of the reindeer (laughs) (laughs) reindeer plural uh turned uh returned to santa they have been returned to santa in england a pair of reindeer named are you ready for it yeah. Blitzen. We, uh, oh, of course. Really? But Blitzen and Blue? I've never heard of Blue. Oh, Blue. Are you familiar with Blue? I don't. I, it's a new one. You must be a replacement player. Uh, mm. They were reunited with Santa Claus after escaping from a Christmas themed attraction in England. Majestic Reindeer, which owns the animals, um, said the antlered duo escaped from Santa's Grotto event at the Elvedon's estate farm oh. in Suffolk. Oh, oh, the <laughs> Elvedon estate, you know, in Suffolk. Uh, the reindeer prompted the closing of the A11 uh, highway when the animals wandered into traffic. Uh, the two deer managed to give police the slip, and the roadway was reopened after three hours. Blitzen and Blue were safely captured the next day when a majestic reindeer brought a third reindeer to put the runaways at ease. Uh, they went from <laughs> they went for quite a run, according to the Elvedon State spokesperson speaking to the BBC. They were flying, absolutely. They're so pretty. Those animals are yeah. beautiful. Man, they're probably like we're. Can we? We're done with holidays. Can we just be reindeer and not have to be associated with your your traditions yeah. and your kids petting petting us and everything else? And, really and stop cool. calling yourself our owner. You're just our caretaker. Thank you. I don't much. think I've ever actually seen a real reindeer in person. So you don't you don't believe? I've never seen one in person. I didn't say I didn't oh. believe. Oh, okay. Just haven't seen one in person. If you, but if you do believe, then you'll. Isn't that how it works? You have to believe. You have to have the spirit of Christmas in order to see things. In order to hear the bell. To, yeah, to, to return to your childhood innocence. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's the All cliche. right, let's, let's talk about this kitty cat. Uh-oh. Who, you know, we had this story about this German shepherd yesterday or this dog yeah. that climbed a, a tree. Well, this this is a little bit more... I don't know, normal, a cat climbing up into a high area. This cat was atop a utility pole, managed to get on top of this pole. And so um, they think that maybe the cat was chased up there by a neighborhood dog. The cat spent two hours on top of this pole crying for help before utility workers went up to try to help rescue it. But that freaked this cat out even more. And so what happened is it took a flying leap 
from on top of this utility pole. No. I don't know if we have, I think we have some video. We, we Let's have see video. What I forgot to upload it. Mm-hmm. So thank you for taking oh. so much time uh, mm-hmm. vamping for the story because now we have You're it welcome. available. We have okay, a 32 second um, clip and they do, sh- they show the jump and yeah. then they show it in slow-mo again. So keep your eyes up. Uh, yeah. It's okay. <sighs> so the Coco. cat's on the top of this utility Coco. pole. He's going to help you, my love. Coco. And they have a utility pole worker. Climbing, the owner is. You go in the house, get treats. Trying to comfort the cat. I know. Watch he don't scratch you. Oh my god! Oh my god! And the cat leaps. Oh, here, check out my cat. Yeah, Coco took a flying leap. That was quite a jump. Um, never in a million years, says the the owner, uh, did I think he was going to jump on his own. He took off running after he hit the ground yeah, he was and okay. later showed up at home and he was not injured. Right. That's amazing. Isn't that That's crazy amazing. that a yeah. cat, I mean, you'd think he'd have a broken leg, that he'd hit the ground hard, something, yeah. not injured. He came on up the step and went in, lied down on the floor, started washing himself like nothing ever happened. Like that was just another day. Easy peasy. Mm-hmm. I like that they say here that the daredevil cat is on house arrest for the time being. He's trying <laughs> to get trying outdoors, to... and I'm trying yeah. to keep him in. Yeah, he's going to have to get used to being in the house a lot more. That's kind of funny. I mean, I would too, I guess. I don't know. Kind of scary. But if you know the cat can jump and land safely, then next time do you send the people up to rescue him? He has been was crying for two hours. Yeah, well, he wasn't motivated. He had to be uh, motivated by fear. Be freaked out, yeah. Mm. Tell me a little bit uh, about this lost tomato because I keep like I've seen this headline and I don't know what this story is about. um, I would be freaked out if I was in the International Space Station to begin with. But up here, members of the International Space Station crew said astronaut Frank Rubio has now been cleared. This is the guy I pictured here, Frank Rubio. He has been cleared of allegations that he ate one of the first tomatoes harvested in (laughs) space. NASA astronaut Jasmine Mogbelli, during a live-streamed event celebrating uh, the 25th anniversary of the station, uh, that the re- uh, she said that the, the remains of the tiny tomato had been found eight months after being misplaced by Rubio. Our good oh. friend, Frank Rubio, who headed home already, has been blamed for quite a while for <laughs> eating the tomato, but we can exonerate him. We found the tomato. Rubio, who returned to Earth in September, has been the target of joking accusations for months that he had eaten the space-grown fruit. I spent so many hours looking for that thing, he said. I'm sure the desiccated tomato will show up at some point and vindicate me years in the future. The astronauts did not reveal where the tomato was found or what condition it was in, but Rubio had early predicted that it would be in a state of advanced decay due to the humidity aboard the station. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. So it's a a humid environment. Hmm. Doesn't sound very comfortable. You know, that would suck to be the guy that was blamed on it. And you're like, I didn't do it. And they right. just don't believe you until yeah. they, where did they find it? Was it you're stuck like, behind something? They they didn't say, but uh, mm. it must have been, it must have floated away. Right? Interesting. Yeah. Well, something else lost, a missing diamond ring. It was, mm-hmm. it was lost at the Ritz Carlton in Ooh. Paris. Fancy. And it was found That's where you inside stay, right? of a vacuum cleaner. That is not where I stay. This diamond ring was worth more than $800,000. That's rich. And it, it, that is rich. It disappeared from its owner's hotel room at the Ritz in Paris. And it was later discovered in the bag of a vacuum cleaner. This 
woman who owns this $800,000 diamond ring is a Malaysian businesswoman. She reported the, the disappearance of the ring to the police in Paris. She said it vanished from the table in her room at the hotel while she was out shopping. And she blamed a hotel employee. That's so lame. Can you imagine being a hotel worker and people just immediately... Brit's employees like, launched a search for this missing item because then they're being blamed, right? Yeah. And you're working Security. your butt off and you're probably mm-hmm. not getting paid enough. And then you have these rich a-holes like accusing you of stuff, right? That's so s- security guards end up finding it in the bag of a vacuum cleaner used by cleaning staff. Hotel officials are saying this ring was turned over to police for safekeeping until the woman who left London on Saturday can return, uh, left for London on Saturday, can return to collect it. Um, Here's the question, though. Yeah. Why would you leave an $800,000 ring sitting on a side table? How she's stupid. Like, uh... (laughs) What a bonehead. The Ritz, it, it costs between $2,150 to $50,000 per night, right? Mm-hmm. So first of all, why are you leaving on the table, right? I'm sure they have a safe in the room. And if, if exactly. you don't want to use the safe in the room, I'm sure they have a safe downstairs, right? They would have a state. I I'm, I think every high-end hotel has a safe for, right. for high-end items. Um, I th- at the very least, yes, the high end eight hundred thousand dollar ring qualifies to put in the in the hotel safe. Yeah, and if you don't want to put it in the safe in your room or the safe downstairs, she's lying, says Maud. Yeah, if you don't want to do that, then at least put it in your I don't know your jewelry pouch or something. You don't took, leave it on the table. Right. I don't think she purposely left it on the table. I think she lost it. I think it came off and then she couldn't find it. Probably. Well, it sounds. See, or what's logical? What's logical to me is she left it on the table. The table gets bumped by someone or, you know, or herself. You throw your cell phone on the table. She's the ring in a gets, rush. She's going out. She it forgets. gets knocked to the floor. Right. And the, in comes the housekeeper, vacuums up your room. Right. And you're such a B word that you're was, blaming the housekeeper right. when and really was, you're irresponsible with your $800,000 property. And most likely it was already on the floor. Right. Mm hmm. Probably. What a jerk. I mean, and, you know, she's I probably, she's probably, I mean, I'm here, I'm going to profile, but I'm guessing that she's not a tipper. Um, so rich oh. people can be the worst, um, especially when they can afford that much. And then they don't take care of the people who are actually doing the really hard work, um, yeah. the tedious work. Um, and she probably didn't give them a reward because she probably feels like uh, yeah. she was, she was angry that they took if, it. You know, if I'm the person that said, oh, the housekeeper took it and then it's found in a vacuum bag. I'm fe- I'm feeling like awful. You'd be embarrassed for right? accusing someone of right. that. But you're a decent right? person. Well, wait until thanks, you become John Daly. <laughs> rich Kim McAllister. No, with her own yeah. show like on I don't TV. think that's gonna happen. No, <laughs> no. Um, but okay, so then she could probably say something like, "Well, um, I'm betting that when they were accused, the only way for them to keep their job was to." to- Throw the ring in the vacuum bag. Right, the whole situation. But that's not what happened because they wouldn't have had time to do that. Right. The investigation started the minute she said, I think hotel staff took it. The security guards went looking and they found it in the vacuum bag. So it's very clear that it wasn't a malicious thing that happened. You bring in Grady Judd. What you have there is a situation. Mm, You have here is a situation. Uh Uh, Well, you know, we can always dream. And Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of dreaming, today's parents have to pay 
$3.4 million to fund the American dream for themselves and their kids. Mm. A new Investopedia analysis f- found that it cost $3.4 million to reach that uh, dream milestone. For example, the analysis found that it cost $576 to raise two kids. Does that sound about right for Wait, you? Wait, $576? $576,000, sorry. Oh, from like what? You're like zero five seventy six. I'm on. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take it. Five hundred six. I just paid ninety five dollars for a yearbook, so I don't know. Yeah, just over half a million. And from their whole lifetime? I think from probably till eighteen. Zero to eighteen. Yeah, I imagine. That um, seems kind of cheap. Childcare, housing costs, straining the Amer- America's um, Americans' ability to start a family. Well. Okay. I'm sure that this is the average across the country. Yeah. And, you know, we're in uh, the Bay Area. Yeah. I don't have to mm-hmm. remind you. It's more expensive uh, than ever to achieve that goal. On December 5th, Investopedia released an analysis on the costs of 10 key milestones Americans seek to achieve. The grand total was $3.4 So this includes housing, child care, sending kids to college. Okay, it includes mm-hmm. college. The analysis highlighted core components of the American dream that are increasingly placing a financial strain across all generations. Investopedia noted that the rising costs have made the typical American dream out of reach for many. The average lifetime earnings of Americans across all educational levels is approximately 2.3 million. That's over 1 million short of the estimated cost of the American dream. Specifically per the analysis, raising two kids to the age of 18, there you go. So that is to the age of 18, mm-hmm. $576,896, according to 2015 USDA data adjusted for inflation. Um, on top of that, it costs an average of 796000 998, so just under 800,000 to buy a home, and uh, just over 900,000 for health insurance over 39 years of annual costs. Wow, that's crazy. More for health mm. insurance than your house. Uh, of course, that's not here, I don't think. <laughs> Other key lifestyle uh, milestones like buying a car, uh, paying one year of college tuition, owning a pet, or having a wedding together add up to almost another half a million dollars, especially mm. if you have Archie. Of course, uh, not every family will choose to spend money on the expenses included in the analysis, but it's a reflection of the economic strain that Americans are continuing to feel. Um, so this is interesting. If you want to read more about it, it's in businessinsider.com. Yeah, I think it costs a lot more than that here in the Bay Area, but, yeah. you know. Well, like the price of gas that we see. The and you don't feel it all at once. It's like this, you know, this slow doling out of yeah. everything you have. The slow yeah. cooking of the uh, of the frog. Mm-hmm. The boiling. The slow, cooking, the slow <laughs> boiling of the frog. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the, speaking of uh, procreating, hello, Whoa. let's talk about the best cities for singles. So before you get ready to fork over all your money to kids, if you're looking for somebody to, I guess you don't have to have a baby with them, but maybe you're just looking for love. Baby optional. Well, we have the ratings would now like for the- to, Would you like to add a baby to your order? Yes, please. I'll take two to go. Um, They've rated the best cities for singles, this study done by WalletHub, and they looked at indicators like restaurant meal costs, fun, recreation factors, nightlife options per capita, and dating opportunities. Uh, The Google search traffic term Tinder was looked at as well during all of this. And the best cities for dating are Seattle, Las Vegas, and Denver. Those are the best cities for singles. Vegas, Vegas, really? Vegas, Vegas, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I not, mean, not long term, like permanently maybe, single. Maybe Maybe you're not looking to settle down. Maybe you're just <laughs> right, looking to exactly. date and have fun. And then Vegas or you're is looking for, you. for an annulment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, apparently, the draw for living in Seattle as a single who's dating may be the high median annual income of the city's residents. Not they the say rain. it's. 
$70,308. Vegas boasts many events and a roaring nightlife scene. Denver offers access to outdoors and fitness opportunities. The worst places for singles. Brownsville, Texas, Warwick, Rhode Island, and Columbia, Maryland. They ranked some of the lowest. The smaller cities, cities <laughs> yeah. less dating activities, hey, less opportunity hey, to meet people. Hey, look at mm-hmm. it. We're in the news. What, what's it about? What's it about? <laughs> We're cities for dating. Burlington, Vermont, Detroit, and Cleveland have the highest percent of, uh, percent of singles as a share of their population. While Fremont, California... Gilbert, Arizona, and Plano, Texas have some of the lowest. So you're not going to find probably a single person in Fremont. Fremont's very bedroom community. Very, yeah, families and whatnot. I'm sure there are some singles there, but yeah, they're not not the most. So those are the, if you're a dater, if you're single and you're looking for love, those are the places to go. Well, if you're single, would you want to live in Fremont? You'd be jumping no. on that BART train. Absolutely not. No. If I'm city. single, I'm not headed to Fremont. No. No. Um, McDonald's, my former uh, employer. Check this out. Inside a new plastic? sustainable. Yeah. Inside a new yeah. sustainable McDonald's restaurant. Uh, these restaurants are opening across France where nuggets are served in reusable bowls, uh, which are not shown here. They're like a white kind of tray bowl. Mm-hmm. thing. And um, you can see here that they have these red um, containers for fries and potato wedges, um, which I don't think we have at American McDonald's, do we? And soda in washable cups. Um, in France, McDonald's is required by law to provide durable containers instead of its uh, use of iconic packaging to, in a bid to reduce waste. A U.S. shareholder advocacy group is calling for the company to consider the benefits of bringing these reusable containers to America, but it is not keen on intro- you can tell when an article is written the British, by a British, yeah, yeah, but is not keen on introducing them to the U.S. and views the reusable packing uh, packing as problematic, arguing that it is inconvenient and worse for the environment. I don't know about inconvenient. Do you care? <laughs> as long as it's being washed, that's what I care about. Sustainability laws in France have forced McDonald's to serve chicken nuggets in plastic in hard plastic white bowls. It's famous fries in these red durable containers, and as we said, the soda and clear washable glasses. But the food giant doesn't want them to bring it to the United States. Um, arguing that it's worse for the environment. Um, yeah, so um, McDonald's head of international government relations has argued against it and does not want France to be the template for other countries um, around the world. Uh, those dining inside of McDonald's restaurants in France are served these uh, in these containers. Um, I love when an article repeats the same thing three times. Once they're finished with your <laughs> meal, you drop off the packaging into a bin where they're washed, dried, and reused. They're... So this this bothers me. This is the same thing that Starbucks tried to do in Petaluma. Whether you have these thicker plastic cups, yeah. then you return stop? them. They did stop. It was a pilot project. But oh, okay. so when you have to sanitize the, these things, because you would have to sanitize them, right? I mean, they've yeah. you don't know if people got ketchup on them or licked them or I don't who like, knows like what they've been through. Like in a bar, if you yeah. have a glass, you're you know you, you know the glass so is going to be. The difference is when you have to put them in these dishwashers to sanitize no. them, you're putting in plastic into the dishwasher, which I, I assume would have hot, very very hot water and steam to dry it or probably you know, using actually a, a chemical sanitizer and i don't worse. like the idea of plastic going through that process so you want to kill all the trees that's what kim's saying i want it to be glass okay i want it to be something other well, than plas- plastic you're gonna get your fries in glass no but ca- what's wrong with the cardboard it's paper it's what's wrong with paper 
It's oh, it's not sustainable. Can we not have bamboo trees. or something? Can we have like some sustainable? Really? You think you think you can make all the fry containers in the world? Well, out it's better of than plastic, isn't I don't it? Think that's I don't think that's feasible. It's probably well, more expensive. Something else. And, yeah. Why don't you come up with something better than plastic? Uh, there's a segment of 21 different <laughs> cups, including the containers for fries and bowls, different sizes. McDonald's has always used disposable packaging to keep the orders flowing and keep utility and labor costs low. That's what they care about. The mm-hmm. French law has been costly and complex for McDonald's, and some of its restaurants have still not complied with the requirements and the deadline at the end of the year. Uh, the food giant is worried that the French example could be followed by other countries. Um, we just don't think it works. Uh, McDonald's is facing proposed laws which are forcing reusable packaging or banning single-use plastic, which also mm-hmm. should be done, in countries including Portugal, Sweden, and Poland. Um, yeah, so McDonald's is fighting this. Our environmentalists and recycling industry executives argue moving to, from single-use plastic to paper when it is used for food is hard to recycle and shifts the waste problem. That's the other thing. When the paper mm-hmm. is dirty, you can't recycle it. No. Um, yeah, so they have powerful dishwashers that reuse, uh, that clean these reusable containers in two minutes and dries them in about the same amount of time. Um, you're asked to empty the liquids into one hole and throw the food into the other. I, I doubt that people are doing that. It's like uh, mm. they ask you to recycle, but if you go to any, like Chipotle is a good example, people are just putting everything in all the containers, right? The recycling, yeah. the compost, uh, the garbage, it's all being uh, mixed together. Mm, frustrating. Yeah, man. Recycling is broken. I hope they um. We're they failing. Yeah, no. they do note here that the fast food company recently phased out the plastic McFlurry spoon in a bid to help save the environment. I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, also concern from SF Tesla about heating some plastics up. It melts, or there are stories about uh, getting hot and leaching chemicals. That's my concern. Well, here's the other and thing: also they only, microplastics. They only, la- they right? only last twenty nine times before they're either damaged, thrown oh. out, or taken by customers. No, then we're just no. That's not okay. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. No, Kim's Mm-mm. not loving it. No, I'm not. Not at all. Jim says there are some um, international McDonald's with a second floor with real silverware and ceramic plates and glasses for drinks. Things are about a dollar more per item. Ooh cool. la la. Hmm. Well, just wait till the twenty dollar per hour minimum wage for fast food workers go in goes in. You'll already get that increase in pricing. Let's talk about, speaking of the environment, let's talk about fishies. Fresh fish. Fresh fish, freshwater fish are at risk of extinction. And it's a big concern. 25% of freshwater fish are in danger of extinction. This according to the International Union for the Conservation of Nature. Um, And some people are saying that's a low estimate. That's not really realistic. The... International Union for the Conservation of Nature says the update is part of their first comprehensive assessment of the world's freshwater fish population. Experts say this really isn't surprising that, again, it's an underestimate. This according to a UC Davis professor in fish ecology. He says our estimate is that about 83% of California fish are vulnerable to extinction in some sort of way. So if we were to put the California number on that uh, IUCN number, it would be much, much higher. Uh, Salmon, just from an economic perspective, contributes $1.4 billion to the California economy. And while salmon in some parts of the state are doing well, in others, it's really high risk. And they say people should care because that is a species that touches not just people, but the entire environment, communities, culture, jobs, business, all of it. Um, 
some of the reasons of the high risk risk of extinction include the waters warming from climate change, changes to the natural flow of rivers along with invasive species, and also overfishing, and that this really creates this ball of environmental stress for fish that ultimately hurts them. It is time to fight, they say. Fight for those salmon, those jobs, those people that rely on it, that Uh, Using science as a tool will be critical going forward. Humans have to be good stewards of land and local water waterways. So big concerns there. And what's I also saw this story kind of in a related way. So I just gave you the list of the reasons that we are seeing this possibility of extinction. Um, But now also, I guess there's a concern about forever chemicals in freshwater fish as well. And so science is showing that there's um, there's chemicals in the freshwater fish. So add that to the list that we have, you know, water's warming from, from climate change. We have all these other things. And then you add the chemicals that are in the water that are getting to the fish. We've got a, a really big problem. Uh, I guess they're going to have to release anti-anxiety medication into our water. <laughs> is that what they're going to do? <laughs> I need some. Soon. Bring me some right now. Um, yeah. Google is back in the news. And this is another story of AI. We like to t- we cover the AI news as it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be with us for a while, right? Uh, a team at Google has proposed using artificial intelligence to create a bird's eye view of users' lives using mobile phone data, such as photographs and searches. This story um, freaks me out. I'm sure they're already doing it. Mm-hmm. Dubbed Project Elman after biographer and literary critic Richard David Elman. The idea would be to use LLMs, large language models, like Gemini to ingest, love the terminology here, ingest search results, spot patterns in users' photos. Creepy. Mm-hmm. Create a chatbot and answer previously impossible questions, according to a presentation viewed by CNBC. Elman's aim, it states, is to be your life storyteller. It's unclear if the company has plans to produce these capabilities within Google Photos or any other product. Google Photos has more than 1 billion users and 4 trillion photos and videos, according to their blog post. Project Elman is just one of many ways that Google is proposing to create or improve its products with AI technology. On Wednesday, Google launched its latest, most capable and advanced AI project yet, Gemini, which has um, some cases they outperformed OpenAI's ChatGPT. Hmm. The um, the company is planning to license Gemini to a wide range of customers through Google Cloud for them to use in their own applications and get in more in your business, Kim. Mm-hmm. One of Gemini's standout features is that it's multimodal, meaning that it can process and understand information beyond text, including images, video, and audio. Okay, so question. Why do I need to tell my life story to anybody? Why does anyone because need that information? Can, we can't answer tough questions or tell good stories without a bird's eye view of your life. One description mm, reads alongside no. a photo of a small boy playing with a dog with the dog in the dirt. We trawl <laughs> through your photos, looking no. for their tags and locations to identify a meaningful moment. Because you can't identify your own meaningful moments, Kim. You're I busy. guess not. I you guess can't I care about your kids. I need some when, help with that. When we step back and understand your life in its entirety. Your overarching story becomes clear. And then the AI judges you, Kim. <laughs> the presentation said like lar- large language models could infer moments like a user's uh, child's birth. Like you can't figure that out on your own. No. Come on. It can figure out that this is Jack's birth and that he's James and Gemma's first and only child. So 
I, I, you know, I've done some uh, family ancestry type research, and I've often thought how little they left behind, right? And how cool it would be to see more about them, to see more about, you know, great, 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 great grandparents' pictures, or to know more about what they did in their life if they didn't leave behind diaries or information. So that would be really cool. Except then you look at what they're what you just said. They're looking at every photo you tag. They're looking everywhere you are. They're, they're looking, looking at, at social media. <clears throat> looking at your social media. They're looking at your phone data, who you're sending emails to, what you're saying, right? What you're buying, all these things. So they can paint this entire picture of your life. And I don't think they're doing it to be nice to you. They're doing it for marketing reasons. It's very creepy and intrusive. Jim says the after party live, most people forget their actual memories and are bad storytellers. So you think we need help from from technology? I mean, I I agree with you, Jim, that the reason I post pictures of my kids on Facebook is because I like it when they have the memories every day, right? And so I can remember back and I think that's really sweet. But is that worth what we're giving up? West Theory, thank you for the $5 super sticker. You continually you, step up and support us, and we really, really, really are grateful to you. Thank you, Wes, so much for that. Thank you, Wes. Another example for the chat was a user is asking when their siblings last visited. Uh, another asked uh, it to list similar towns to where they live because they're thinking of moving. Elman, uh, Elman offered answers to both. It uh, presented a summary of the user's eating habits. You can enjoy, uh, you seem to enjoy Italian food. <laughs> there are several photos have of another dishes, cup of pasta as well as a photo El of Chunko. a pizza yeah. <laughs> as, well as a photo of pizza it also said uh, the user seemed to enjoy new food because one of their photos had a menu with a dish it didn't recognize the technology also determined what products the user is considering purchasing of course their interests mm -hmm. work and travel plans that's what it's really about right yeah it's about selling you stuff exactly yeah. so yeah. AI driven I'm uncomfortable with that. I know they have access to all this information already, but I just know that's like putting it back in your face. Here's all the stuff you told us about you. Right. Here you go. I serve it to you on a silver platter. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're not judging you. No. You and your pasta well, addiction. Let's take a break after something to think about during this 38 second timeout is how many times a day, 20 seconds, how many times a day you wash your hands? All right. Because it might surprise you that. Now, after this pandemic, most of us wash a lot and we could be considered germaphobes. So think about your own personal number and we'll talk about it right after this on The After Party Live. The After Party Live is underwritten by our audience and without you, this show wouldn't be possible. If you can contribute $10, $15, or $20 a month, it would keep this party a rockin'. The PayPal link can be found in the About section of the YouTube channel or at the bottom of the show description. Any dollar amount is appreciated, and it all adds up. On behalf of Kim and myself, thank you for your consideration. Aloha, bitches. It's the After Party Live. Um, A little bit of breaking news. A little updated news. Oh, wait. Did you say breaking news? Yes, I did. After Party Live. Breaking news. Times on the After Party Live. All right, let me tell you this breaking news that Rudy Giuliani, of course, the former mayor of New York City, he was at the first day of his defamation trial today 
in Georgia. Remember, he had been accused of um, of defaming a couple of Georgia poll workers, election poll workers. And he leaves the defamation trial and he tells the media he stands by everything he said about the election workers and basically says, I did exactly what they said and I'm not sorry. And here's what I'm gonna, let me double down and say it again. <laughs> then he, he went to go have some pasta. Then he went to go have some pasta. He he was uh, he is on trial this week for spreading false information about these two election workers after the 2020 presidential election. Um, I I just he said that they committed election fraud. He said all kinds of horrible things about them. So they sued him for defamation, saying, "No, you can't say these things. This is not true." So the judge already ruled against Giuliani. This trial this week is focused on determining not that he did it, but the extent of damages. How much does he owe the workers? So if he's coming out of the courthouse saying it all again, then there's no remorse there. And I mean, maybe he sees the writing on the wall and that he's going to have to pay up anyway. Uh, Despite already being found liable while leaving the courtroom after jury selection and opening statements, Giuliani continued to attack these two women, telling reporters, everything I said about them is true. Of course, I don't regret it, he said when asked if he regrets his actions. I told the truth. They were engaged in changing votes. Is he some kind of crazy or maybe mentally damaged? Honestly. All the above. And well, that, I feel my like friends, we should, I need is your end, breaking news. <laughs> and I need to end that segment with the swoosh. There we go. Thank you for the swoosh. Yeah. Yes. You're welcome. Uh, we right. want to thank our contributors. Um, and uh, our ongoing contributor is Lee S. Thank you, Lee. Yay, Lee. Thank you. Ongoing contributors are what make this show function. Yep. And then we want to thank Deborah B. for $10. Thank again, you, Deborah. And then Wes for $5. Thank, thank you. you, Wes. Thank you. Thank you. We are the little you guys show. Are that awesome. Hopefully, can. Yeah, I think I can. Hopefully. I think I can. I think we can. Let's talk about how often you wash your hands. How often do you wash your hands a day, John Daly? I don't count them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't count. Um, like if I say I go get coffee at the end, I'll go to the bathroom, I'll wash my hands. Mm-hmm. Um, if I, every time I come home, I wash my hands, mm-hmm. especially since I have a cat. I don't want to introduce anything to get them sick. Um, but I would probably wash my hands anyway. Mm-hmm. And then anytime I, they feel grody. Or like after I eat. Okay. You know? So what? Would you say like five, six times a day maybe? Mm, maybe four or five. Something like that. Four or five? That was kind of my estimate. I'm let's check clean. in the Let's check in the chat. What do you think? Wes says three to four times. All right. Yeah. It depends on what you're doing. Like if you have a job where you're getting your hands dirty. Oh, Maude says 30 times a yeah. day because she cooks. Yeah. So yeah. yeah Thank it, you. But if you like worked on cars mm-hmm. or something like that, then obviously you're going to be washing your hands all the time. Or if you were mm-hmm. in food service. Right. Yeah. We're in YouTube uh, service. We don't have to wash our hands. We don't often. have to wash them that, that quite that much. Um, oh, Pauline says six to seven times a day. All right. Well, here's the story. This new survey has people kind of washing their hands in some cases too much. Almost yeah. half of Gen Z would be considered germaphobes. They hand wash 10 times or more per day. Whoa. Mm-hmm. And You're I think a lot of us. Out. You're going to dry out your tender hooves. 
But we we just were told for the last three years or however long. Remember at the beginning of the pandemic? Wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. They had the tutorials on how long to wash our hands, how the best right, ways like 20, to wash our hands. Seconds. You know, get under your nails, get in the in between your fingers, do all the outside, so every the time back, we go, and the front. We go for our break. Every time we take mm-hmm. our break, you can wash your hands during that period of time. I thought it was supposed to be longer than 28 seconds. No, it's 20 seconds, the CDC says. I thought it was. Wasn't it seeing the whole ABCs? Well, I'm looking at the CDC website right now and it says 20 seconds. I'm not going to argue least, with you. I'm just saying. Least. I cite okay. my Kim. <laughs> so the finding... seven seconds left over. The finding is from a survey conducted by College Rover. They polled more I'll than a with, thousand. I'll go with the CDC. <laughs> they po- polled more than one thousand college-age Americans. Forty-seven percent said they wash their hands five to ten times a day. Thirty-two percent, nearly a third, lather up between eleven and twenty times a day. When if you're over, if you're over, like drying so, out your hands, you're going to mm-hmm. break down the barrier uh, of your skin. Your your skin needs moisture to to keep that barrier right Mm -hmm. to keep things from getting into your like cuticles and into your fingers so don't don't go crazy apparently according to the cdc they advise washing your hands before and after eating and post toilet use and that washing hands 10 plus times a day is recommended for hygiene and reducing virus and bacteria spread they're saying so they say 10 plus times is not wrong jesus Mm -hmm. christ I mean, it just depends on what you're doing. Are you eating? Are, yeah. How often but do you I'm go to the bathroom? Day, if I'm home all day and I'm not around other people. But you have some people clean. that may go to the bathroom two or three or four times a day. Yeah. And you have other people that like with a small bladder that go all the time. So, yeah. I mean, it just I depends have to go, on. I have to go before the show so I can be a camel and not go for a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, the 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 thought is that people are saying I don't know why washing your hands five to ten times a day is a red flag to people. Um, there are many situations where you should definitely wash your hands regardless of the frequency. So you shouldn't necessarily pay attention to how much you're doing it, just whether the right. need is there, right? Yeah. Um, the, they have a list of hand washing situation. You should wash your hands before preparing food, before eating, when caring for someone who's vomiting or has diarrhea, before treating a cut or a wound, after using the toilet, after changing diapers, after blowing your nose or sneezing, coughing into your hands, after touching an animal or its waist, after handling pet food, after touching garbage. So I I always make my kids wash their hands. The people who need that information are just going to ignore it. Mm -hmm. You know who's probably ignoring it? This next group of people. Mm. gangs from South America are using security jammers to break into expensive homes across the country, according to police. What, do they jam your your alarm? Yeah, gangs from South Mm. America are breaking into multi-million dollar homes, according to Metro Detroit, or including Metro Detroit, according to uh, WXYZ. I love the name of that station. Mm -hmm. WXYZ. Police say they are highly functional and well-trained. Their crews are consisting of four to six people, um, the thieves reportedly use a jammer to overcome wireless security systems that depend on Wi-Fi to operate. The crews are dressed in all black with backpacks and gloves. They are non-confrontational, and their goal is to get in and out of homes as quickly as possible. At least 30 to 40 homes have been hit since September in the Detroit area. Thieves have gotten away with cash, jewelry, and expensive handbags within minutes of breaking in. Police departments in Michigan have formed a task force and urged homeowners to have multiple layers of security, but this is happening across the country, mm-hmm. and uh, they're coming from South America uh, they're not sending all their best, as Trump would say. Those, those <laughs> South American gangs. And some decent people. 
some funny texts. Wes says, some germs help create a healthy immune system. Too clean can make you susceptible to illness. Heather says, if you recite the intro to SVU in your head, that's the appropriate amount of time. Mm. Um, Eric says, it's the, the time it takes to sing happy birthday twice, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I guess yeah. it depends on how fast you sing. Sandy admits to being a germaphobe. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Apple Again, Watch. you don't want to break down your skin. You break it down, no. then the germs are going to get in, and you're, then you're not being uh, a germaphobe. Apple Watch can tell you uh, when you wash your hands. They can time it for you as well. And then so they there can you sell go. you soap. And Sandy carries lotion in her purse because her hands are dry from washing so frequently. Yeah. yeah you got to be careful. Mm-hmm. What's this about AI dead celebrities? Uh, this is very creepy to me. Do you want to hear from Jimmy Stewart again? Well, no? well, well, yes, Kim. <laughs> Zuzu's petals. Zuzu's petals. Good. Well, look at this story I'm with alive. me because I'm alive, I'll, Kim. I'll have you read this. This is a new bedtime story just voiced by Jimmy Stewart in time for Christmas, 26 years after his death. Was it voiced by Jimmy Stewart? Kind of. It was voiced by AI technology. And so, of course, we know Jimmy Stewart died in 1997. He was the star of It's a Wonderful Life, which a lot of people watch during the Christmas season. He is also the voice behind this new audio story just released, uh, I think today, on the sleep and meditation app Calm. Generative AI helps to imitate Stewart's distinctive tone replicated with the approval of the actor's family and their estate as well. Titled, It's a wonderful sleep story. The bedtime story kicks off on Christmas Eve. It gives listeners a festive story as part of Calm's sleep stories. The collection meant to guide users to bed and sleep with a calming voice and very few plot points. Stuart's story is now available to premium Calm subscribers. His daughter says, we're very excited for our dad to be the voice of Calm's latest sleep story. We're very excited. We're very excited about the money we're getting from our father. It's amazing what technology Mary, can do. Mary, we're going to make a lot of money for my kids. <laughs> it's wonderful to see dad's legacy live on in this holiday season in new ways. We like helping people find restful sleep and sweet yeah. dreams. Where's the money, you fool? Where's the money? So here's how, here's what it reads. Well, hello, I'm James Stewart, but well, you can call me Jimmy. That's how it opens. Tonight, I'm going to tell you a story. It's a heartwarming story of love, of loss, of hope, of joy. But most of all, it's a wonderful sleep story. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful hot dog. Hot dog. Wonderful moneymaker. There you go. I don't know. I feel like his, his, it, he, he died. And his, you know, what he made while he was alive his movies that he made, <clears throat> whatever audio recordings he made while he is alive, he was alive, those live on. Those are the things he left us. That and his family is his legacy. But taking his talent and using his voice to s- manipulate it and say what you want it to say, yeah. it seems wrong and creepy to me. Well, his family says it's okay. You know, and, and you know, his family saying, every time a bell rings, Angel gets his wings. Every time a bell rings, they get money in their pocket. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's kind of, it's creepy, but it's also kind of cool. Um, yeah. You know what's not cool? The price of olive oil. Mm. You know, it's expensive, but extra virgin olive oil is getting even more expensive, and it might not even be real. You've seen these stories, right? 
Olive oil has been a staple of the Mediterranean diet and culture for millennia. Before it even made it to the table, it was used for medicinal and religious practices, earning the moniker liquid gold in Homer's Iliad. Throughout the centuries, the olive branch has come to symbolize peace and prosperity, and the pungent extra virgin and virgin olive oils are high-value global exports. Um, but the behind the most popular extra virgin oils in the world produced in Italy, Spain, and Greece are equally lucrative criminal enterprises cashing in on the gold rush by selling fake liquid gold that uses sunflower, canola, and even lamp oil. That is not olive oil, no. To create a product that can retail up to $30 a liter in the United States. In late November, authorities in Spain and Italy, working with the EU's uh, Europol Law Enforcement Agency, said they arrested 11 people tied to a criminal gang, sequestering 12 barrels containing some 260,000 liters of adulterated or non-virgin or extra virgin olive oil. Mm. They also seized an additional 5,200 liters of market-ready quality oil that had been ready for export. Uh, the authorities said it was unfit for consumption, despite false labeling that claimed that the oil was 100% Italian or Spanish. Authorities also found almost 100K in cash, four end high, four high-end vehicles, falsified labels, and paperwork that stated that the oil is Spanish and Italian grown when sample tests revealed that it was more likely made uh, by mixing olive oil byproducts with other types of oils. No, that's wrong, wrong, wrong. Yeah, and the problem is there. Um, th th there's, um, I think that there's been lower production uh, due mm -hmm. to harsh weather extremes uh, across Europe. So, you know, um, Italy's uh, main farming organization is pointing out fraudsters have also increasingly been using chlorophyll or beta carotene to color oil to its mm. characteristic green or buttery yellow hues. Um, Mediterranean oil production is down by 41%. So these criminal gangs are rushing in to fill, the, to fill that gap, to fill that void. Um, so they're calling it the Agra Mafia. Pretty mm. lame. Pretty lame. Um, do you want to do entertainment next or do you want to get right to Travel Tuesday? Because I don't want to not be able oh, yeah. to do our we, we gotta <clears> do Travel Tuesday. Because if we don't do mm -hmm. Travel Tuesday, we'll get in trouble. But we also you... have to talk about good butts. Oh, okay. Well let's do let's do butts and then travel Tuesday. How about that? You're in charge of the butts. Yeah, that's I love it when you say that to me. <laughs> what what does the perfect male butt look like? Is that good it right question. there? Mm, there's a study for that. That's right. Yeah. And I, uh, yeah, the, I gave you this story because I knew you'd run with it. The quest for the ideal backside now has the attention of a recent internet survey. Though this is about preferences for the male body, the contouring, the gluteal enhancement, as they say. Researchers surprisingly found more men are interested in getting butt implants. Really? What? Oh my gosh. The results demonstrate there is a preferred male gluteal aesthetic. Uh, the findings suggest that a moderately enhanced, well-proportioned appearance is most desirable. Previous studies have evaluated the features of attractive female buttocks. No one, though, has really studied the aesthetic of the ideal male buttocks. Yeah, you were buttocks. upset about that, right? You requested That's the right. survey? I did. I was like, what about the dudes? Please, <laughs> tell me. In this survey, raiders thought the ideal male buttocks shouldn't be flat, but it also shouldn't stick out too far. Has to be just right. Like, so you're like, like the Goldilocks. Um, like the Goldilocks, Goldilocks of butts. Of That's right. Yeah. The buttocks shouldn't be too wide. It should retain the characteristic of a dimple on the sides. Hmm, okay. And so... The article really goes into detail. And Heather they show saying the... you could bounce a quarter off that one. Yeah, you could bounce a quarter off that one. 
these preferences differ from previous studies of the ideal uh, female buttocks, which favored a rounder, fuller appearance. The authors emphasized the significance of these differences in transgender patients undergoing gender-affirming surgery as well. But this study is one of the first to really focus on what makes the male buttocks the most attractive. And they think these findings will be helpful in discussions with patients considering gluteal enhancement. They want to provide guidance in achieving optimal results and patient satisfaction. Gayla I don't know. my boyfriend has the perfect buttocks, looks Aww. just like that picture above no joke really wow that is a perfect i can't even figure out which female butt type i like best all butts are beautiful (laughs) it's true it's i mean there's it's it's about the it's about the journey right skinny butts big butts you know what i wouldn't like someone that had butt implants probably like if if whatever your butt is love your butt if you want to so judge you know if it's a flat butt then work out a little bit do some butt butt exercises what if their butt is what if their butt depresses them? Well, I guess they've you worked need to, out you know, and it just won't. Got to do butt. what you got to do. But why are people so concerned about it? I mean, it because is what it is. Because we live in a superficial society. Oh, yeah. Well, I go. do like this. I do like this fella in the yellow. I just yeah, to say. See, that's why. That's yeah. why people are getting it done. Well, I'm just saying. I mean, he is got a nice derriere. There you go. That's why yeah. it's being done. That's why mm-hmm. you know uh, a lot of people augment their body. Uh, oh. It's time for Travel Tuesday, isn't it? What? We, we got to get to it. We got a lot of stories. Travel Tuesday. It's Tuesday. We got travel stories. <laughs> it is Travel Tuesday. Welcome to it here on the After Party Live. <clears throat> Let's talk about uh, first the AAA expectation of the holiday airport travel to exceed pre pandemic levels. We oh, are boy. back, everybody. Look at those oh. lines in the airport. Mm. There is a warning for holiday travelers to be prepared for the big rush this year. Despite inflation, despite economic issues, people are willing to spend and prioritize travel. The U.S. saw a record number of passengers during the holidays in 2019 with 7.3 million people. AAA predicting we'll see 200,000 more travelers than that this year. They say air travel has been up all year. Summer bookings on AAA up 40 to 80%, depending on the location, and the rush is carrying into the holidays. And so, for all intents and purposes, the pandemic is in the rear view, according to AAA. The pandemic is in the, the what view? It's in the cute butt view. It's in the rear oh. view. Oh, yeah, okay. that's where it is. <laughs> um, yeah, so get to the airport early. Don't rest on your butt. Yeah. A lot of people are going to tropical islands when they're traveling. And if you're doing that, prepare to be green. Things are changing, especially for the Pacific Islands. Uh, Pacific Islands, they're changing the cost of tourism. And they're doing it because, I guess, tourism is really wreaking havoc on the environment in a very environmentally sensitive area. In Vanuatu, the director of tourism says we have to demand a rebellion against business as usual, that it's imperative how we consider our travel impacts destinations and indigenous communities. Pacific Island countries, the most vulnerable in the world because of the climate crisis, are now trying to found, find a balance between environmental and cultural impacts of tourism. In some cases, they're starting to charge people um, 
a tourism fee to come to these places and see all these things. Vanuatu, before the pandemic, they saw tourism contribute to 36% of their GDP, but now they're among the first to adopt a sustainable tourism strategy. The Cook Islands, they provide eco and sustainable tourism certificates for businesses. Uh, and again, if they have don't... Are- beautiful it's the are most they have you been water. there yeah it's the most beautiful oh, water i've man. ever seen it's, it's light blue it's just crystal clear beautiful most beautiful island in terms of water i've ever seen well now they're starting to really think about how they're going to keep it that blue and keep it that beautiful beautiful so don't be surprised if that's your destination that you may be charged a little bit extra they're also putting some caps on how many tourists they will allow at one time in on some of these islands to yeah. preserve and help protect everything so some changes are coming to the way we we um visit places and this photo is not Vanuatu. I just, this is actually Sierra Leone. Um, but mm, I had it beautiful, on, though. I mm-hmm. had it on standby. So <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> get people confused. Um, now, you know, uh, it's difficult for Russians to travel. Uh, yeah. Check this out. Russians are being banned from travel, and they've been told to hand over their passports within five days. Why? Russians who had been banned from traveling will now have to hand over the passports to authorities within those five days after being notified according to government decree that came into force on Monday. According to Russian law, authorities can impose a travel ban on conscripts, employees of the Federal Security Service, convicts, or people who have access to state secrets or information of special uh, importance. The return passport will be stored by the authorities that issued it, such as the Interior Ministry or the Foreign ministry authorities after the travel ban is lifted the passport could be returned upon completing an application those whose right to travel is temporarily limited on the basis of conscription for military they're getting desperate right for people mm-hmm. to fight in the military or alternative civilian service will have to additionally provide a military id with proof that they have completed their service um, in march the financial times reported citing unnamed sources that russian security services were confiscating passports of senior officials and state company executives to prevent overseas travel Aren't you glad you don't live in Russia? Mm-mm, no. Yeah, I'm very glad about that. Um, this is a little um, story of more fun. Yeah. If you kind of were into a holiday trip where you wanted to do something interesting, right. you can instead spend the night. Russia, instead of going to Russia, go to Santa Claus's cabin and help sort through the Santa Claus mail. That's right. Airbnb offering one family and one family only a chance to spend three festive nights in Rovaniemi, Finland at Santa's cabin. Every year, Santa gets tens of thousands of letters from kids all over the world. One lucky family has a chance to help Santa sort through his mail because that's what I want to do on vacation. Right. You got to do work. Christmas Airbnb will host a one-time stay at Santa Claus's cabin in Rovaniemi, Finland, in the northern of Finland in the Lapland region. Uh, They proudly proclaim themselves to be the official hometown of Santa Claus. Despite the designation, it's not the only location claiming a connection to Santa. They have a Santa Claus house in the North Pole. Uh, North Pole, Alaska, I should say. They draw many tourists. In Rovaniemi, Airbnb's cozy cabin is conveniently located right next door to Santa's post office, where guests will be expected to roll up their sleeves and help the crew of elves deal with St. Nick's correspondence. And there's a lot of it. They get more than uh, 30,000 letters, I should say, every single day. You get to empty mailboxes, stamp letters with the Arctic Circle postmark, 
And then at night, you get to fuel up with a traditional Finnish meal, zip around on a snowmobile, marvel at the northern lights, and warm up in a sauna. It's a three-night stay, a journey to the heart of the holiday spirit. Mm. Wow. That sounds yeah. uh, like a con. <laughs> con you into working. Yeah. It's from December 18th to the 21st. The stay itself is free, as are the flights to Rovaniemi from London's Heathrow. If you're coming from somewhere else, you have to get yourself to at least that point. So just a matter of whether you win it. Good luck. I think I'll pass. Um, I'd rather go to one of these places. Mm. Uh, The most exciting travel destinations for 2024 has been released by National Geographic. Um, no, in November, National Geographic published its cool list for 2024, a collection of 30 destinations worldwide that are the most exciting places to visit. Europe dom- dominated that list with 13 locations, including traveling the entire continent by train. Six places in North America were named on the list, with three in the United States. As travelers continue to look for cheaper alternatives or dupe travel, places that are close to but not the tried and true tourist hotspots, they are uh, rising in popularity. Internet searches in the U.S. for travel dupes spiked throughout 2023, according to Google's Google Trend data. The most exciting travel destinations for 2024 in Europe are the Albanian Alps, Alps, mm. sorry, Albanian Alps, mm. uh, Belfa- Belfast, Northern Ireland, mm-hmm. Emilia Romagna in Italy, uh, doing Europe by train, uh, Galloway in Southern Ashire, Scotland, uh, Nordland, Norway. Uh, North Yorkshire, England, Pompeii, Italy, uh, Samai, Finland, Tartu, Estonia, the Euros, mm. Germany, Valletta, Malta, Wales, then the Wild Atlantic Way in Ireland. Um, a standout location in Europe is Tartu, Estonia. Not, uh, According to National Geographic, Estonians consider the city to be the cultural, cultural and intellectual heart um, of the country. And here's a picture of some, uh, it looks like a, the ruins of a church. Oh, wow. Um, Pretty cool. In the Americas, it's the Atacama Desert in Chile, Lima, Peru, New York, Miami, Dominica, Nova Scotia, Texas. Oh, Texas. Wow. Texas made the list. Wow. Yucatan Peninsula, (laughs) not for Kim, and Ibera Wetlands in Argentina. Mm -hmm. Um, Austin, Texas continues to be a city to watch. Smart asset studies show that home values have soared to 354% in the city over the past 25 years. Uh, Fastest growing U.S. city for millionaires. In Africa, it's Akagera, Rwanda. The Andhra Fauna Dry Forest in Madagascar at Sierra Leone, which we showed earlier. And uh, Asia, it's Sikkim, India, Tainan, Taiwan, mm-hmm. uh, Jin, China. And here we see here, this is uh, Victoria, Australia Ooh, in Australasia. Mm-hmm. Um, they have those like uh, cabins at the beach, which is pretty cool. So those are your cool places to check out uh, for 2024. You mentioned something that kind of caught my attention, which is something you said, wild land, the wild, wild way in, in Ireland. I had never heard of that before. I had never heard of that before. Either. Yeah. Let's check it out. Google it. Well, it turns out the American dream is... Wait, it's over? Yeah. It's over. Oh, that's it? Oh, well, we have to man. keep the stories for tomorrow. Okay, we'll keep them for tomorrow. You're busy with the Mark Thompson show. You don't want to find it's more stories. It's true. It's true. <laughs> All right. Thank you for being with us, you guys. Thanks for supporting the show. Thank you for being with us on Travel Tuesday again and sharing the stories of traveling around the globe and for supporting the show. Deborah and Wes with your contributions today. Huge, huge, huge thank you. Yeah, it is Travel Tuesday. 
Um, we'll see you tomorrow. I'll be here with the Nikki Maduro show. I'm filling in for Nikki tomorrow. We'll have Clark Reed on to talk about tech. John oh, cool. Rothman on the uh, Mark Thompson show will be on. And then we'll be here for the after party. So we hope you'll join us. Have a great afternoon, everybody. Have a great Bye-bye. afternoon. And thank you to Lee S for your ongoing support. Have Yay. a great afternoon. Bye-bye. Bye.